How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plex Sandscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. My usual co-host, Tim Jensi, unfortunately couldn't join me for this episode. However, we have a very special guest host for this episode, and he's just up the road in Edmonton. So, my guest for this week, he's a writer for Nosebleed Sports and the Fourth Line Podcast, and I am proud to say that he is being promoted from the Fourth Line to being a Third Line Plug. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from the city of draft lottery champions known as Edmonton, Alberta, my co-host, Joseph St. Amour. Joseph, how's it going, sir? Good, man. And yourself? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. It's been a pretty hectic couple of days dealing with ICBC and a few other things, but I'm excited to have you on the show and I'm excited to talk about some hockey. Yeah, man. I'm excited to be here. And uh, speaking of icy roads, over 600 accidents in Edmonton in four days. Wow. What is the weather like right now in Edmonton? Uh, a little bit chilly. There was a lot of rain followed by the cold equals icy roads. Ooh, so it's kind of like out here because we get that too. We get we get rain during the fall and then it freezes and the ice is just like ice rinks. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not like Montreal two years ago where you actually had videos of guys skating in the roads, but we're getting there. Yeah, well, you know, could be worse. It could have been some hockey players talking shit about their, about their coaches in an Uber, but... <laughs> So usually for these episodes, Joseph, Tim and I would talk about our week or talk about the previous episode, but since you're the guest host, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you, how are things going over at the 4th Line Podcast and Nosebleed Sports? Things are really good, you know. 4th um, Line Podcast, their writers are amazing. We have a writers group that we socialize in and we talk to each other about what we're going to be writing and uh, very supportive guys there. Nosebleed, is, uh, they're very cutthroat as far as what they want done uh they're but they're very they're very well organized um you got to respect that because if you can't really do what they want they will cut you but you got to respect that it's uh it's one of those websites that they really want writers that are committed and know what they're talking about they're about all sports not just hockey unfortunately i can just do hockey Right, but I, I understand that you... Now, do you cover the Ottawa Red Blacks or just the Ottawa Centers? No, I'll cover the Red Blacks. Unfortunately, right now, the website's in construction mode. Uh, CFL's not part of their website yet. That's hopefully something that we can build up in the future. I just cover the Ottawa Red Blacks personally myself, uh, which I'm going to be starting my own website here probably during the off season before the CFL season starts over again. Awesome. Now, are you going to be covering both Ascends and Red Blacks, or do you have other teams that you're going to be covering with a new website? I'm going to, it's going to strictly be Ottawa Senators and Red Blacks. Okay. Oh, that should be good. I mean, granted, I'm not a Red Blacks fan myself. I'm a Saskatchewan fan, but you know what? Oh, I no. do do have a lot of respect for the Red Blacks, and given what they have been able to accomplish in their history, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they come in as an expansion team, essentially, and... and they win the Grey Cup, I think it was their third year back. I believe it was their uh, second, if I'm not mistaken. Second year, you're right. They beat the Calgary Stampers, so unfortunately for them, seem to choke every year in the playoffs. But uh, their loss is our gain. 
Yeah, it seems like it happens a lot with Ottawa teams in the playoffs. Yeah, no, no, but Ottawa won the Great Cup against Calgary, actually, so that was the one time we didn't choke in the playoffs. Nah, that's true, <laughs> that's true. So I gotta ask, now, you are gonna be coming on next week for an interview, so I gotta ask you, did you get a chance to listen to last week's episode? I did not yet. I was going to. Um, I, I, as you're aware, uh, listeners aren't. My fiance's pregnant. We've had some some complications. Plus, uh, my calendar year just came to an end work-wise. So I've had a really jam-packed uh, week and a half or so. Uh, so guilty. I have not had the chance to. Okay, but you have got a chance to listen to a few of the episodes in the past, oh, though, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I've listened to quite a few, actually. Big fan, actually. That's awesome, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you were one of the first guys that we got in contact with when we started the podcast because i think you reached out to us after the trevor shackles interview if i'm not mistaken it was and i was a big fan i actually liked it you guys uh you guys were really good as far as content goes and you guys were really well spoken uh better than i am as far as radio goes but um yeah i was really impressed i reached out and i really wanted to come on to one of your episodes for an interview or you know what i get the co-host today so yeah so you get the rare that's the thing, man. You get to not only be a co-host, but an interviewee. So, Whoa, right. there you go, buddy. So, without all that out of the way, Joseph, let's head into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, we've got another jam-packed Top of the Hour, just like last week. However, we're not doing 15 stories. We're doing 12. And we're going to start off with... The New York Islanders play-by-play announcer, Brendan Burke, posted a video on his social media of himself about to donate blood following the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting that took the lives of 11 people. Burke, who is in Pittsburgh for the Penguins-Islanders game, provided the caption reading, Not from Pittsburgh, not Jewish, just human. This is a real class act move by Brendan Burke. Yeah, I I personally really like this. Uh, It just shows that you know, everyone can be united. Um, I've also watched, you know, news clippings of, you know, what's going on. And you see people from all different races and religions just kind of coming together. And and that was awesome. And I love seeing stuff like that come from the NHL. I think uh, the NHL has one of the best bunches out there when it comes to taking care of others. Absolutely. And I know I've seen that in other sports where tragedies have happened in their cities and the sports teams or the local sports teams, I should say, have rallied around that and really done some good. We saw it with the Boston Red Sox in 2013. We saw it with the Ottawa Senators in 2015. And now we're seeing it with Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh Synagogue shooting. Yeah, absolutely. We saw it with uh, Vegas as well. The beginning of last season, that was that was a terrible tragedy. But uh, it's really good to see stuff like this. And Brendan Burke, I mean, uh, I have so much respect for that man. Um, the problem is when you, when you play into religion and donating blood um you know there's there's certain aspects there where uh they can't accept but i mean the thought is there man and he's doing whatever he can for whoever was there uh for anyone that was injured so absolutely i think that's a total class act and speaking of the vegas shootings i know i've probably mentioned it on the show that the one canadian i believe that was killed there was actually my uncle's apprentice oh really yeah he was a local guy i think he was from Vancouver, Coquitlam. I think he was around in front. He's from Vancouver, but yeah, he went down to Vegas for that concert, and my uncle was one of the first people to get the news that he had passed. Oh man, it was uh, that really hit home. There's a few people from Alberta as well, and it's uh, it was it was a tough time, man. Even if you're not from Vegas, it was a tough time. 
Absolutely. And it was great to see that the Golden Knights were able to rally around that and make that cup run last year. Yeah, I mean, that was that was amazing. I mean, nobody expected that. Uh, they're still doing okay this season. Definitely not going to be doing the same kind of uh, cup run as they did last year, though. But uh, you never know. Absolutely. Now we're going to turn our attention from a class act to a real piece of shit. Disgraced former NHLer Slava Voinov has formally applied for reinstatement into the NHL. Voinov was arrested in 2014 on domestic violent charges. He was suspended by the NHL and his contract with the Kings was terminated. Now, it's funny that a lot of a lot of hockey players, this doesn't really happen to them a lot. It happens to NFL players or MLB players. And, you know, most notably saw it with Ray Rice a few years ago, and he still hasn't played a game in the NFL since. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's weird, man, because you think of NHL players and you watch the interviews and they're so well-spoken and they're polite and they're, you know, all that stuff. And then you see NFL players and they're a little more hyper and they joke around more and, Stuff like that, but so it's weird to see it in the NHL. But I really hope a team picks them up for one season, simply so all the tough guys in the league can beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of rumors that the Leafs might be a team interested in him right now. Uh, honestly, uh, as a Sens fan, I really hope not. I mean, I just started regaining a bit of respect for the Leafs. As a Sens fan, that's hard to say, but they're doing really good. I'm impressed. To sign this guy, they would go right back down to the shitter for me. Yeah. My personal feelings is that I don't think he should be allowed back into the NHL to give a message to the other players like, hey, we will not tolerate this kind of behavior from anybody. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him back in the league for real to actually play. I just want to see him get smacked around by tough guys because that's essentially what would happen. Not one tough guy. Like, Think of Reeves. Let him play against Reeves. Reeves would end up smashing the crap out of him, beating the crap out of him just because. Yeah, absolutely, man. And now we're moving on to another piece of shit. San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane is being sued by an unnamed woman for allegedly coercing the woman into having three abortions in three years. TMZ reported that Kane promised $3 million for the abortions when the woman didn't want to, however, accepted the offer of which Kane never paid up. This is another thing that, again, you see this more happening in, like, the MLB or the NFL. Like, you don't see this in the NHL. And it's really sad that this happens to, or I can't say sad, it's pretty sickening, but to see a guy like Evander Kane who really turned his career around last season, now this comes out against him, it's just like, okay, like, where do you go from this? It's disgusting, man. In my opinion, if you're going to be, quote-unquote, man enough to make a baby, you take care of that baby. Uh, but that's that's for another day but this is this is just terrible man like you're trying to clean up your image you get picked up by another team you start doing good again and people stop forgetting started forgetting about you know the stupidity that you've done when you played in winnipeg and then all of a sudden this comes out i mean dude everything comes out to bite you in the ass eventually yeah and i mean i i read this and i was just thinking oh wow you know like i said he's turned his career around he's doing really well in san jose they give him that big contract and now this comes out, like, what happens to him now after this? You know what? I, it's sad to say, probably nothing. Uh, now, the NHL is not the league that's going to turn a blind eye to this, but I, I don't see much coming. It's going to be a lot of he said, she said, and I think that's the extent of it. So there's not going to be there's not going to be much that's going to come of this, in my opinion. Right, okay. Well, 
Let's move on from talking about pieces of shit to an organization that apparently fucks their players over. Marley Hammond, wife of former Ottawa Senator Andrew Hammond, alleged in a now-deleted tweet that the team did not provide proper medical care for Hammond's injured knee during his time with the club. If this is true, the Sens and Eugene Milnick could find themselves in hot water with civil judges in Canada who take these matters seriously. And I don't know if you saw the tweet that Pan from the Sens Colts put out about the team not doing anything about Robin Leonard's drug addictions, Ray Emery's mm-hmm. personal demons, and a few other things. And I understand that he put out this as a CBA issue, if it's true. But again, like, if this ends up being true, this is yet another black eye the Senators and Eugene Milnick has had in the last year. Yeah, and the last thing they need is another black eye. Um, but un- unfortunately, it's another sad thing to hear about but i believe it to be honest with you i mean he's cutting costs all over the place um it would not surprise me if this was true um the reason for deleting the tweet is probably just uh saving face not to cause any drama between you know maybe people that andrew hammond is still friends with in the organization but yeah there it's been known for years that ottawa does not take care of some of their players and their injuries, mental health, uh, drug addictions. Like you said, Ray Emery uh, was one of the big ones. Robin Leonard was another big one. And now we hear about this. And, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of players don't want to come play here. Yeah, absolutely. And and we also can't forget that Eric Carlson played on one leg during the 2017 playoff run. Daniel Offerson played a whole season with back issues. And I'm not even surprised. If this turns to be true, I'll just be like, yeah, I'm not even that surprised. You know what? It's I understand playing through the pain like a broken finger, but there's some things that you don't play through. And I think the guys that you mentioned, like like you said, uh, Alfredson, uh, uh, even Jason Spezza dealt with something pretty negative his knee for a long time. And these are things that you don't want to mess with. These are things that can really, really not just end your career, but can make the the back forty of your life essentially a living hell. Uh, yeah, these guys need to really step up their game as far as taking care of their own. Absolutely, and honestly, I'm surprised that the league wouldn't step in. If this turns out to be true, does the league step in now and do something about this as well? Oh, I think there's an investigation at the very least. Um, you know, they'll probably go back a handful of years. I'm sure, uh, you know, the Hammond family could probably get a couple witnesses to come up and, and say something and, you know, I'm assuming there's probably Daniel Alfredson that might want to say something. Uh, Jason Spezza might openly come out and say something. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there'd be some sort of investigation of this. And if it is true, uh, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, this ownership. Will they fine him? Will they force him to you know, seek more people to come help the organization? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a fucked up situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even know at this point what it takes to even get Melnick out as owner given that he's he hasn't said anything racist like in the NBA, and he, his actions haven't really screamed remove me as owner, except for the comments he made at the alumni game. But I don't know. Like, it's obviously he's not taking care of his players, and it's showing right now. Yeah. Um, honestly, first off, you look at him, he looks like Scrooge. So uh, it's the first thing you think of is, is cheap and um, just terrible ownership. Uh, I don't know what switch. He's always been uh, a salary cap type uh, owner where he, he has an internal cap. And it's it, we've always known that, but he still managed to build pretty good teams and you know keep all the all the crap kind of under the table. But over the last few years, all of his demons are coming out to bite him in the ass, and it's just a matter of time before he gets forced to sell the team or something. Yeah, absolutely. 
So let's go into our next story. New York Islanders' Josh Hosang made waves when he made comments in a column written by New York Post, Brad Salis. Hosang claimed that he had been buried in the minors by the team on purpose and without merit. Hosang, drafted 28th overall in 2014 by the Islanders, has only played in 43 games, scoring 6 goals, 16 assists for 22 points since being drafted. Personally, I think the team has merit, and this is on purpose because you hear about all of his... All the issues he's having, given that he thinks he's hot shit and he deserves this and that and the next thing. And I'm not surprised, given that he doesn't have the stats to back it up. It sounds terrible, but his personality reminds me of Evander Gaines. Um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he takes a photo with sacks of cash up to his face like a fallen like Kane did. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's with merit that he's down there. I mean, they've recently promoted him up to the first line. Um and he's been doing pretty good, but he needs to learn what professionalism is, and the rest will come. Mm-hmm. And I know that with the New York Islanders hiring Lou Lamorello, who has this no-nonsense approach to hockey, and we saw that in New Jersey in the early years where guys like Bill Guerin and Brian Rolson got shipped out of town. Be- well, it was obviously different reasons because of contracts, but it seems like he's just putting his foot down be like, no, you want to be in the NHL? Prove it to us that you want to be in the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Trotz is, uh, <clears throat> he's not a coach that's ever going to like bend. He, I don't care who your GM is. If he thinks one way, that's how it's going to be. And yeah, I don't personally see him coming up to the NHL uh, permanently until he gets his shit together. Mm-hmm. Speaking of another guy who we didn't think he was ever going to come back to the NHL because he didn't get his shit together, Dallas Stars forward Alexander Radulov decided to boycott the Montreal media ahead of their game versus Montreal. This came as a surprise, given that Radloff was always a fun and extroverted player when he was a member of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised about this. Like, he was, uh, he was no P.K. Subban, but, I mean, he still had fun with the media. Uh, maybe he just wanted to avoid all the drama questions and focus on his game, you know, the organization that he's with now. I don't know what's actually going on there, but at the end of the day, I was actually really surprised about this as well. Yeah, me too. And I know that people on Twitter were saying... Maybe this was a response to John Tortorella's comments about the players being too buddy-buddy with everybody and there needs to be a little more intensity. So maybe this could be a response to that. But I'm not sure what the issue was with Radloff in Montreal and why he didn't want to stay, given that he spoke so highly about the city and the team. Yeah, but you see it nowadays. When you play for a team, you always speak highly about them, right? I mean, even players that are literally 24 hours away from getting trained in a bad situation. I'll say good things about the organization. Uh, I mean, we never know what happened behind scenes, but uh, as far as, as far as Torts's comments goes, I mean, I agree. This league needs to get a little uglier. Everybody's best friends. Um, I mean, you see a lot of guys now really dodge checking people and I don't know. It, it has turned to a bit of a softer league and you know, maybe, maybe that's exactly what he's doing. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the NHL, we're almost like a few steps away from becoming the NBA with these super teams like the Golden State Warriors or the Cavaliers where you get the one superstar and all their buddies decide to sign with them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got Tavares and Matthews already on the same team. And uh, when I first, uh, actually, I kind of guessed that he was going to end up in Toronto, to be honest. But when, when they officially signed him, I was just like, oh, no, this this honestly reminds me of, hey, guys, let's all play for the Miami Heat. Or, hey, guys, let's all play for the Cavs. And I was just like, uh, this, it's not fun to watch. No, it's becoming one of those kind of leagues, too. 
It really is. It's best friends calling best friends. If I'm not wrong, didn't Zach Parisi and um, uh, who else was it? They called each other, and that's why they both ended up in uh, Minnesota. Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter, thank you. Yeah, they, it happens, but, I mean, not as often in the NHL, but still not fun. Yeah, but like I said, man, we're only a few steps away from that. Yeah, just wait till they decide not to have a salary cap, which will never happen. I know, but no, but at least the NHL has a hard cap, unlike the NBA with their soft one. Yeah, yeah, thank God for that. Yeah, <laughs> NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman announced that the league has finalized a sponsorship deal with MGM Resorts International as it pertains to gambling. This sponsorship will not only make MGM an official partner sports book for the NHL, but will also become the official resort destination of the league. I mean. The MGM is cool. I don't know if you've ever been to the MGM. I've actually never been. I have friends who've been. I've seen pictures and videos. It's cool. Um, as far as the whole gambling part of it, I mean, in Canada, we've always been able to gamble on hockey as long as I can remember. So, I mean, it doesn't change anything for us. Um, but I think this is pretty cool. I mean, the NHL is going to make some money. Americans are going to be happy. and I mean, pretty cool thing. Yeah, like, isn't it funny... 10 years ago, and we were always saying, oh, Vegas will never get an NHL team because of the gambling aspect of Nevada. And now the Golden Knights are there, and the Oakland Raiders are going to be moving there in a few years. So it's like, oh, okay, so are we not thinking about the whole gambling thing in Vegas? Are we cool with that now, I guess? People stop caring. Do you remember when Gretzky was accused of gambling against his own team, I think it was? Uh, everybody gambles. Uh, you can't avoid it. And Putting a team in Vegas makes sense. Uh, you get fans in the stands there. You get celebrities. They'll buy season tickets. Uh, the hotel will buy season tickets, and they'll give out tickets to special guests. It was a smart move, and you know what? Adding the gambling is just an even smarter move. Mm -hmm. And I know that the NHL, we're always thinking about putting a team in Vegas, and that's why the LA Kings did the preseason games there for years, going back to like 91, 92, like the early 90s. Yeah, and it was always fun, man. Um People love going to Vegas. I mean, for many reasons. The gambling, uh, the fact that you could pretty much smoke pot in the roads. I mean, I mean, in Canada, we can do that now. But I, Vegas is Vegas. And um, you know what? It wouldn't even surprise me if they get an NBA team. <laughs> yeah, given that they have a building that could be transformed into a basketball court, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, that's exactly it. There's talk. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but there's also talk with Vancouver getting a team too, but... We'll wait and see on that. Bring the Grizzlies back. Yep. Big country Reeves, <laughs> baby. Bringing them back. <laughs> the NHL and NHLPA are updating their policy regarding marijuana use following Canada's legalization of it in October. NHLPA alumni Glenn Healy stated that he hopes that CBD can help former players cut back on their opiate reliance. And NHL's Bill Daly maintains the league's policy has not changed regarding marijuana but it does reserve the right to take action should the player become dependent on the drug. That's actually a pretty fair compromise, I feel, that it's like anything, right? If you become dependent on it, then the higher-ups have the right to come in and talk to you about it. Yeah, but I mean, they're saying the drug policy is not changing at all, so recreational use is still banned, if I'm not wrong. Um, I mean, it's not performance-enhancing. What's, what's the big problem? I... I personally don't smoke. I haven't in a long time, but I've never had issues. And when athletes get busted for smoking pot and they get suspended and this and that, I always thought that was the dumbest thing ever. I mean, it, it's pot. True. 
But, I mean, the thing is, is where do you draw the line with that, right? Where these, like we're going back to the NBA and NFL players, where, you know, they're getting arrested and charged for domestic abuse or gun charges or this, that, and the next thing, and they get arrested for pot, and it's like, well, why exactly? You know, it's legal in a few states now. It's legal here in Canada. Are we really going to arrest guys over having a little bit of pot on them? No, fair point. And, you know, where, where do they draw the line? Um, I mean, obviously common knowledge says there's other drugs out there way worse but at the end of the day it is still a drug right and i guess you're right there should still be uh the rules should still apply yeah exactly man national predators have re-signed goalie pecorina to a two-year 10 million dollar contract extension with an aav 5 million Rene, drafted 258th overall by National in 2004 had a 42 13-4 record with a 919 save percentage last season now, this is kind of risky because Pekka Rene is not a young goalie. The guy is 36, 37 years old, and goalies generally aren't great in their later years. Now, there's obviously exceptions like a Dwayne Rolson or Roberto Luongo. Berter was kind of iffy, but maybe maybe he could be one of these guys, or he could be a goalie that just has a deep decline from here. You know, Dominic Hasek did it too. Yeah, but, Hasek. you know, at the. You know the differences between Hasek and um, Pekarene? Uh, Rene doesn't know how to play in the playoffs. <clears throat> he doesn't have that many playoff wins. Um, he didn't do bad, I mean, against Pittsburgh. Uh, but realistically, he's just not a playoff goalie. It's, I, when I first read about this signing, I was I had a 50-50. I was mixed emotions. Like, I love Pekarene. He's, he's probably one of my favorite goalies right now in the NHL. I have him in my fantasy league. Uh, he's a great goalie. But come playoff time, he just doesn't perform the way he should. He's still good in the playoffs, but he's not Stanley Cup good. True. And even Pekka Rene, like Craig Anderson, has this tendency of having bad year, good year, bad year, good year, where same, like Pekka Rene. Pekka Rene could have one year where the guy's unstoppable, and the next year he's like Swiss cheese. Yeah, so you're paying $5 million for a really good year, and you're paying $5 million for a really bad year. <laughs> yeah, well, granted, you know. What did Ottawa throw at Craig Anderson a couple of years back, too? Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about that Anderson deal. I'm still pissed about it. Yeah, but you know what? He's having a good year so far, given all the BS that he's going through on the ice. Yeah, they're throwing more shots at him than I've ever seen. But I know. It's terrible when you watch these games and you're looking at the stats going, 47, 48. How many fucking shots did he throw at this guy? I know. I'm like, where's the defense? Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just insane. I know. But uh, I know. back with Pecker in it, I don't know. It's a 50 uh, 50. I personally like him. Like you said, when he's strong, he's one of the strongest. Uh, when he's weak, he's one of the weakest. Uh, I'd like to see more consistency out of him, but at the end of the day, he's 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 a good goalie. He's a really good goalie. Oh, absolutely, man. Tampa Bay Lightning have re signed Yanni Gouda to a six year, $31 million contract with an AAV 5.166. Gouda scored 25 goals, 39 assists for 64 points in 82 games for Tampa Bay last season. Another risky signing because even though Gouda had a great rookie year last year, he's 26 and you really don't know where this player can go from here. Does he develop into a superstar at as a late bloomer like a Martin Saint-Louis or does he become like a one-year wonder like a Jonathan Chichu? Yeah, that's the problem I have with the signing too. Personally, when I when I saw this signing, I thought maybe give him a one year deal that's worth you know 
four or five million, see how that goes. Uh, but you see it all too often nowadays where guys will have a really good season and then the organization just wants to throw money and term at them. Um, this one, I think, may come back to bite them in the ass. I think he's going to be pretty good this year, but I don't think they're going to get the 64-point average every year. Uh, I don't think it was worth the money, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And also with this signing, Tampa Bay is going to be in deep cap hell in the next couple of years because that's when contracts to guys like Steven Stamkos and Tyler Johnson and these kind of guys now come into effect. Yeah, and you know what? It wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they trade Stamkos uh, in his last year. I would not be surprised. Maybe maybe that'll happen. I don't know. Really? But, uh, well, that's yeah, a hot honest- take right there, man. I honestly, why not, man? Um, he hasn't been what he was, you know, when he first came around. I mean, neither is Sidney Crosby, but I mean, they're still playing good. But I think the trade value for him would be a lot better than re-signing him personally. Yeah, but you also got to worry about the maybe the idea that these guys won't sign with the team who trades them. And even look at Eric Carlson in San Jose, because I was saying to somebody, he's like, I bet you anything he's not staying with San Jose after this season, given all the money they have tied up in guys like Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns and Martin Jones, right? No, no, I agree. I think Carlson's gone at the end of the season. It was a one-year thing, um, and he's gone. But as far as the Stamkos ordeal goes, uh, they have a really good core. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, has one of the best cores uh, from the top to the bottom. I think if they were to trade him, they would bring back another key piece uh, that's probably slightly younger. You know, probably not somebody who's as good as Stamkos, but somebody who could develop into some someone like Stamkos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would still be a really good team. I think they would see that Tampa Bay is just trying to build a winning organization again. And I'm not saying, like I said, Stamkos is, is bad or he's not a winner. I'm just saying I think they use him as a blue chip. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely take your word for that. That is definitely a hot take, but we'll have to see once his contract comes up. Former Quote NHL defenseman now. Justin Falk has signed a PTO with the AHL's Colorado Eagles. Falk drafted 110th overall in 2007 by Minnesota, scored three goals, 30 assists for 33, th- 33 points in 269 games with four teams. Minnesota, New York Rangers, Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Buffalo Sabres. What I want to know is, does Justin Falk think he's scott gomez or something like <laughs> when you're done you're done i mean i understand he probably still wants to play hockey he probably feels like he's got you know a lot that he can bring to the younger guys down in colorado and i just personally i think you should just call it quits spend time with the family playing the beer league uh justin falk uh even towards the end of his nhl career just wasn't just wasn't there anymore no, but I mean, maybe he think. well, I guess he, I don't know if he thinks he's like a Chris Chelios where he can play into his 40s, but Chelios was also just a physical specimen on the ice. Yeah, but at the end, Chelios' shot was just as crazy as it was when he was 30, right? Uh, Chelios still did a lot of the things that he could do when he was younger. Uh, I mean, Falk is, is, is still big, he could still hit, uh, but you got to catch the kids first. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, and the other side of thinking of that is that you can also get a guy who can hit and play physical, but he's also a good skater and can make moves like a two-way forward or two-way defenseman, I should say. 
Yeah, but if you put him in the American Hockey League, I mean, the American Hockey League is a fast league. I don't think he can keep up with anybody in there personally. I mean, he could still move. Uh, I'll give him that, but not at a competitive level. Like, like I said, the AHL, it's a pretty competitive league, man. You see a lot of those kids, and they're fast. They're really fast. Yeah, I mean, we're even seeing that with the rookies coming into the NHL today, like Elias Peterson with Vancouver. Yeah, that I don't know how Peterson does what he does. Honestly, I thought he was going to be good this year. I didn't expect him to be this good. I actually, I was paying more attention to other guys. I mean, to Chuck in Ottawa, I was just like, yeah, to Chuck will be better. Just wait and see. You know, they're hyping you know P- uh, Peterson too much, uh, and then he comes in and uh, yeah, he just kind of took over that team. Like he's 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 leading that team. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that they were hyping Philip Sedina, right? When then when he goes to Detroit and he's not with the big club, he's in the minors. And Ottawa fans are looking at us like, well, maybe we made the right decision picking to Chuck after all. Yeah, he's going to put all the pucks in the net, he said, against Ottawa and Montreal. He, uh, he, needs to, he needs to stay in the NHL before he can uh, do that. So Exactly. <laughs> and personally, I feel maybe that's why Pierre Dorian didn't draft him, right? Because he has that me, me, me mentality with that statement. Yeah, well, that and I think because Tuchuk just brought more to the table that we needed. But yeah, Zidino is definitely one of those guys that uh, he wants to be the center of attention. Uh, you know, I got to be the guy you're talking about. Uh, he thinks he was, you know, God's gift to the hockey world. I mean, the kid's good. He's going to be really, really good too uh, as he develops. But uh, I think he, <clears throat> sorry, I think he talked a little bit too much shit too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're going to finish off top of the hour with an Ottawa Senator story. Ottawa Senators defenseman Mark Borvieski has been suspended three games after his hit on Vegas Golden Knights forward Cody Egan. This is Borvieski's second suspension in less than a week, following his suspension for his elbow against Bruins' Yurho Vakananen. I'm surprised you could pronounce that. Vakahanen. <laughs> oh, you should have heard it last week. I was just like, Vakahanen. And Tim's just like, I think it's called Vakananen. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Yes. Thanks, Tim. There's a reason why we kept you around. I know. Uh, but, yeah, no, Boro, I don't know what he's thinking. He uh, comes back not even a full period after his suspension and does something stupid and gets suspended again. Um, I don't think his intention was to go for the head, but that's where it went. And, uh, you know, when you're a big guy like Boro, you got to be really careful, especially when he just came off suspension. I mean, I think if Boro had not been suspended previously – that second suspension may not have happened. I think it would have just been the game. Uh, it would have been like, you know, you got to five minutes. Uh, he learned his lesson. That's kind of the end of it. But, yeah, they were watching him close after the first suspension. Yeah, and even Borvieski's, maybe his mindset coming into the game was, okay, well, if I don't play physical, I'm the one that's going to get stapled to the bench. Yeah, maybe. Who knows, right? Um and, and then after that stuff with uh, Gallagher in Montreal, I mean, why would you make a comment that come back and get suspended? But, um, you know, maybe he was just trying to make a point that if it's me and I do this, I get suspended. But guy like Gallagher comes in and does it, he doesn't get suspended. Um, hopefully he's not using his career to try and make a point, but you never know, right? Exactly. I can't wait for Dechuk versus Gallagher. That's going to be a fun rivalry to watch. You mean you can't wait to watch Tuchuk beat the crap out of him? I can't wait to watch Gallagher just get smashed into the boards. Oh, man, Tuchuk versus Gallagher, that's that's going to be one of the funnest things you'll ever see in the NHL. I know. It's going to be a give. It'll give us a reason to watch the Senators every night at least. Right? I mean, if anything else, I mean, Tuchuk, Tuchuk's here. He's going to be here for you know at least three years. <laughs> yeah, he's already a fan favorite. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know what I can't wait to see, man? Calgary versus Ottawa. The Stone Brothers and the Tuck Brothers playing each other. I think that's going to be the funnest thing. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good, man. <laughs> well, Joseph, that wraps up top of the hour. Now it's time to head on to the games. And we got four games to talk about. we got the Sens versus the Golden Knights, Sens versus the Coyotes, and back-to-back games of the Sens versus the Sabres. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Joseph, it's time to start talking about the Senators versus the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a 4-3 Golden Knights victory. Sands goals were scored by Matt Duchesne, Bobby Ryan, and Ryan Dezingle. Golden Knights goals were scored by Alex Takwa 2, Ryan Reeves, and Jonathan Marshall in overtime. Vegas outplayed Ottawa for a majority of this game. Both teams were pacing themselves to start until Duchesne scored the first goal of the game when Vegas got their game going. Ottawa, for the most part, got most of the bounces in this game, but didn't really look into it until the third period. So, you know, it's funny. Every time that I talk about Vegas, it's almost like a tradition that I have to play this. I can see why your co-host is not here today. Yep. So let's start off. The Sens' defense, I mean, they look terrible in this game. And given that the team let 53 shots against, with Jonathan Marshall and Alex Toth both having eight shots, I don't even blame Craig Anderson this one. I'm surprised Craig Anderson was able to play, you know, a few days later. I mean, only four goals against on 53 shots. I think he's having a bounce-back season. He's going to have bad games like any other goalie. But, man, this game, if it wasn't for, for Andy, that game would have ended a lot worse. Uh, the defense was in, just not there. Uh, you could tell. It's a young defensive core, and they're just inexperienced. And I think too many people are caught up right now in the, the offensive hype that our defense has. But, yeah, this was it was a pathetic show. Oh, it was totally pathetic. And the fact that Craig Anderson who had a good game with 50 saves, is really the reason that we even came close of trying to win it. Yeah, I mean, without Andy, uh, that game is easily going to be 7-8-3. to three. Easy. Yeah, well, you know, we got a game later on in the night that sort of ended that way, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. One yeah, guy who that. quietly had a really solid game was Ryan Dezingle with one goal and one assist. Yeah, you know, I was really impressed by Dezingle. Actually, I was really impressed with uh, Dezingle and Bobby Ryan that uh, that game. Uh, you know, Dezingle is really developing into uh, one of those players that is going to be vocal on the ice, vocal in a locker room. Uh, he's showing his skill. He's showing his speed. Um, I remember his first year in, uh, he had the speed, but he didn't have the hands quite ready yet. Um, so he, you knew he was going to be something special. And I think his vision on the ice is starting to get a lot better. His hands are starting to get a lot better. Uh, he's, he's reacting quicker now and he's, he's really turning into a solid, solid player. Absolutely. I've been really impressed with him given that he did start the season kind of slow and he was getting a lot of chances, but he either missed it or it's hit in the post or something happened. So I'm really happy to see that the chances are finally going for Ryan Dezingle. Right. I mean, He's going to be one of those guys that's going to score 25, 30 goals. I guarantee it. I mean, he's already at, what, five or six this year? I think he's at five. Um, I mean, and that's with having injured games. Uh, I mean, he's played, what, 12 games. So he was out for two games, and he's already got five goals and four assists. So he's got nine points. 
I mean, he's going to be really, really, really good. He's already good, but he's going to be really, really good. Absolutely. I mean, even pairing him with Duchesne and Stone on the UFA line has really proved out to be wonders for the Sens. I love the Dezingle Stone line. Um, I mean, we'll get to it after with the Buffalo game, but I love seeing those guys together. I think it's a really good one-two punch. Mm-hmm. One player we we haven't mentioned in this game, number 72, Hot Sam Bacho with two assists uh, in this game. Oh, uh, Thomas Shabbat. He is one of the only bright spots on this team. Yeah, he uh, he's – I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but I'm going to say he's gone above expectations in my opinion. I mean, second year in, I expected him to come in and have a bigger role but uh, when he showed up in Vegas, he showed up ready to play. Uh, if I'm not wrong, he had quite a few hits in that game, too. He was skating really well. Yeah, Hot, hot Sam Bacho. Uh, <laughs> I still can't get used to calling him that. I can't. You know what? I still can't get used to the fact that guys like Jamie McLennan say it during broadcasts. Right. And if I'm not wrong, and I think it was, I think it was Stuntman Stu before his last game, he actually announced it as Hot Sam, Hot Sam Bacho when he assisted in the goal instead of Thomas Shabbat. And I was like, did I, did I just hear that right? Yeah, that's awesome to see that the Ottawa Senators community has really rallied around that Hot Sam Bacho meme. Yeah, it's the coolest thing ever. I oh, mean... it's fantastic. One thing that wasn't fantastic, though, that Jonathan Marshall penalty shot no T. That was complete bullshit. I don't care what anybody says. I hate the fact that they do penalty shots in overtime. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. But, I mean, at the same time, overtime is just another period, right? Uh, I mean, shorter amount of time, less players. But the same rules apply. But I've always felt in the shootouts and in overtime, I, I don't. I prefer the five-on-five old school, uh, personally. But, yeah, shootouts, shootouts are something I don't even want to get into. But as far as the uh, penalty shot, I think it was bullshit. I'm, I'm, I didn't like it. No, actually, I am a fan of the three-on-three OTs because I do feel that it does add a little more excitement and you do have to be a bit quicker in overtime to win it. But if you go do the five-on-five OTs, then you could try to be more strategic about, okay, we're going to pass here, pass here, whereas three-on-three, it's, okay, just get it to the net. I know, but I find that the three-on-three, like, it's fun to watch as a fan, of course, but essentially for me, it's... uh it's like a slightly less uh, shitty version of the shootout in a sense of it's a dick measuring contest. Like, Hey, I'll put my three best against your three best. And I, I don't feel like there's a lot of team play. It's, it's three guys just trying to be fast, get the puck to the net. Uh, you know, there's not much strategy behind it or anything. Like I said, it's, it's fun to watch. It's like the shootouts, but I always feel like it's kind of a dick measuring contest. You know, I never actually thought about it that way. Yeah, I tend to do that. Bring up points that most people don't really think about. Oftentimes, I sound like a complete asshole or I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. And sometimes people are like, holy shit, that was genius. See, Uh, that's why we have you on the podcast tonight. Right. I'm going to cause controversy. But, yeah, no, it's uh, I always felt like it was a dick matching contest. I mean, when I remember when uh, Boucher was starting Pajot in three on three people are like why are you starting Pajot why would you do that why would you start your best players because they know that three on three is your three best against their three best dick measuring contest let's see whose three best are the best mm-hmm. well I know last year even the three three on threes they were putting Hoffman with Duchesne and that's for me I was like wow okay I can really get around that 
Yeah, I mean, it, that, I, I didn't mind Until that. Until Monica fucked that up. Thanks, bitch. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm a little uh, fired up here tonight about that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Fuck, I'm with you on that, brother. Uh, uh, it's breaking bro. my heart because I can clearly see my Mike Hoffman jersey to my right. I'm just like, uh, it's like my favorite jersey and I can't even wear it anymore. You know, it's really funny. During the offseason, I was like, I really want to buy uh, the white Eric Carlson jersey and I want to buy the Hoffman jersey and I want to get a Peugeot jersey. And I held off on all three just in case. Turns out I only bought the Peugeot jersey. Thank That's God. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, it's funny. When I was out in Ottawa for the outdoor game, I went to the te- uh, was it the team store on the, in the Byward Market. And I was yep. wanted to find, like, a Shabbat jersey because I was like, fuck, that guy's so cool. And I was looking for a couple other jerseys. They didn't have a Peugeot or Hoffman, but they did have a Stone jersey, and I bought that one instead. So I'm not yep. going to regret that until he leaves in uh, July. You know what? You know what, man? Given the new, you know, Uber incident, I don't think Duchesne's going to stay. But I honestly, I think Stone is going to go long term, and he's going to wear that C. Yeah, I could. I would love to see that. I, I'm confident to the point where I might go buy myself a Stone jersey and get the C put on. See, now the funny thing is, and you're talking about the Eric Carlson jersey. I'm holding off on buying one until he signs a long term contract with the team. Oh, I know. So many people bought the uh, the Sharks jersey, you know, with the Carlson jersey. Yep. And I'm like, that's cool, right? Because it's going to be a one-year thing. I was like, but uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to spend that much money on a jersey that's going to be useful for one season. Yeah, exactly. So, Joseph, I got no more comments on this game if you want to head on to the second game of the evening. Let's do it. Okay. Sens versus Coyotes. This is a 5-1 to one Coyotes victory. Sens goals were scored by Alex Fermented with his first NHL goal. Coyotes goals were scored by Alex Galchenyuk, Brad Richardson, Derek Stefan, Richard Panic, and Oliver Ekman-Larsen. Shots were 35-24 for Arizona. Galchenyuk scores first to make it 1-0 Coyotes after robbing, funny enough, Mark Stone blind in front of the net. Brad Richardson scores to make it 2-0 Coyotes. Derek Stefan channeling his inner Nicholas Lindstrom, scoring from beyond the defensive blue line to make it 3-0 Coyotes, which later gets conned and pulled and later waived by Ottawa, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Tyranny looks to make it a 3-1 game, however, it is rule goalie interference. Formatin gets his first NHL goal with a tip-in to make it 3-1. Richard Panic scores to make it 4-1 Coyotes, and Oliver Ekman-Larsen scores to make it a 5-1 final. I unfortunately... Or maybe fortunately. I didn't get a chance to watch this because I got home late from work after a busy day. Let's just go right into it. Let's talk about the Mike Condon goal because it is one of the softest goals I've ever seen. And I'm not surprised that this goal is what broke the Cattle's back. No, and you know what? You you always see two or three of these goals every season. Uh, Condon just happens to be the guy who it happened to first. Uh, it was a really weak goal. I won't lie. I'm glad I didn't have anything in my hands when that goal went in because I jumped up and just about yelled at my TV. Uh, the only reason why I didn't yell is, like I said, I have a pregnant fiance who I don't really want to have her going to early labor, getting scared of me yelling at the TV. No, or but, her getting pissed off at you. Yeah, yeah, that too. Actually, you know, she's pretty supportive with my hockey stupidities, but uh, yeah. no. She's Connie a keeper. Getting... She's definitely yeah. a keeper for that. She's a Flames fan. <laughs> well, nobody bats a thousand. Exactly. But uh, Connie getting pulled was a good thing. Uh, getting sent down to the minors. Uh, this all ties back into when they renewed his contract, they overpaid. And I'm like, it's going to be a mistake. It was a mistake then. It's a mistake now. 
He's going to go down to the minors. He's going to he's going to get some confidence back. He's going to come back up. Um, he's still not going to do very good. He's not a very good backup goalie. He's just not. Um, this game, I mean, you got to get him playing more in order for him to not be rusty and all. But this game just kind of, uh, it, it pissed me right off. Yeah, and we also can't forget, I believe that Craig Anderson also got thrown to the Wolves in this game too. Yeah, well, I mean, you come in and you're already down 3 nothing. If I'm not wrong, it was 3 nothing at the time. <clears throat> I mean, what more can you really do? At least at least he stopped uh, 22 pucks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, then as far as the Formington goal, I mean, it's quite the shitty way to get your first one. If I'm not wrong, it was an accidental tip. I mean, nobody knew it was even his goal until they actually went up and looked at it. But good for Formington. I'm glad they put him back down to the minors. He's going to be a star down there, <clears throat> down in London. And uh, uh, he's another kid that's going to be a superstar. I think uh, I think he's faster than uh, Mr. McDavid. Ooh, that's a hot take, buddy. Oh, that's I'm going to get a whole lot of shit for that because I live in Edmonton. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know who's going to get more shade, you for your comment, or me saying they're the city of draft lottery champions. That's <laughs> true, though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I do actually, on. speaking of format, and I do approve of that decision to send him down, because even watching him in the few games, I'm watching him like, man, he really doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in himself with the big club, and I would like to send him down, because I would rather have him play big minutes with a junior team than playing limited to next to no minutes on the big club. Right. Let him let him fill out, you know, physically uh, and let him get, you know, really confident, uh, play big boy minutes. Uh, he's he's going to come to the NHL again this year. I guarantee at some point he's going to get called up. Uh, he's going to be more confident. You're going to see it in his game. He's going to be making decisions that he wasn't making before. Uh, Formington's he, he's a really good player and he's just going to get better. Absolutely. So, do you want to head on to the third game, Sabres versus Sens? Actually, I just want to make one note on this one really quick. Sure. Tierney had an assist in this game, uh, three shots on goal, but he really impressed me in this game, and he was probably one of the only guys that was mentally present on the ice that game, and I've been really impressed with Tierney so far this season, and, and you know, he was one of the few bright spots in that trade, but I, I was really impressed with Tierney in this game. Mm-hmm. Same with Dylan DeMello, too. I thought he's been really impressed with the Ottawa Center since coming over. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Sabres versus Sens. This is a 4-2 Senators victory. Sens goals were scored by Ryan Dezingle, Dylan DeMello, Colin White, and Bobby Ryan. Sabres goals were scored by Jason Palmanville and Jeff Skinner. Shots were 48-31 for the Sabres. A mixed bag overall. Ottawa dominated in the first 10 minutes of the game before the tide began to turn in Buffalo's favor with their strong offensive attack, puck cycling, and scoring chances, which resulted in two goals in the third period. Ottawa started the game strong, but their defensive play and discipline issues really got the best of them, even though they held on for the victory. Once again, it's almost like it's becoming a cliche, but Craig Anderson, 46 days, the only reason we were even in it and got the W. Oh, it, when you have to rely on your goalie to make 40-plus saves a night to win a game, it's really bad. Um, Shabbat had a really good game with two assists again. This was a, it was a good game, but they... Uh, they took their foot off the gas, but a little early. And I don't know if it's because all the young guys are not used to playing, you know, high-intensity hockey like this or as many games and as many nights or what it was. But it almost feels like the second half of the game, everybody's just disappearing. And this game was no different. Mm-hmm. And you would imagine with the young guys on the other senders playing junior hockey where they're playing, what, three, four games a week? like And with all the travel, you would think that you're kind of used to it. But 
it's a big difference coming from juniors to the NHL. It's a huge difference, right? And uh, to play that many games at that intensity, it's it's got to be hard. Uh, you could play, you know, three, four games a week in, in the juniors, and it's going to be rough. But playing that many games at this level, it's it's going to take a wear. It's going to take a lot out of you. Um, this game in specific is probably one of the ones that I was most disappointed in as far as the win goes, but a win's a win. Yep. The Ottawa Senators, though, they did look like the Sens of last season this game with number of times in this game. I'm watching them like, you know, wow, like they're really looking like the Sens of last season because they were flat-footed and they were always chasing the puck carrier in the defensive zone. Well, it was it was horrible. I don't know if you watched Bobby Ryan at all in that game. But he honestly reminded me of a really old guy trying to keep up in a kid's league. It was really bad. Yeah, they were they were caught flat-footed so many times in this game. It's uh, Somebody who's never watched hockey could notice it. Mm-hmm. One guy who didn't look flat-footed, and this is a guy who I don't generally give a lot of praise to because I watch him thinking, you know, he could be better, he could be this, is Colin White with one goal. I thought he would really impress in this game. I think Colin White this year is doing a lot better than I thought he was going to. Actually, he's probably doing a lot better than most people thought he was going to. Uh, he's coming out with a lot of speed in every game. Uh, he's doing the best he can with the the amount of minutes he's getting. Uh, he scored a nice goal. Um, I mean, I've been really impressed with Colin White. He's another one of those guys that's going to be really good um, in the future. It's, it's exciting to see these kids now and how good they are. Imagine what they're going to be like with three, four years experience under the belt. Yeah, if Ottawa can re-sign them. I think I think he'll resign. I think he likes it there. I think he will. Yeah, well, we saw Carlson like the city too, and look what happened. Yeah, but we got good years out of Carlson. We might get good years out of out of White before he decides. Fuck this! I'm I'm done here. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> now, one defenseman who, and we were talking about in the last game, is Dylan Demillo with his, as I call it, a rock'em sock'em video style goal off the backboard, off the net, off the goalie, and in. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. Honestly, I didn't even see it go in until they showed the replay, and I was like, "That's, that's weird." But hey, man, you got to be lucky to be good, and be good to be lucky. And uh, like you said, demello has been really good, man, for us uh, this year. And you know what? I've been really impressed with all the all the acquisitions that we got in return for Carlson, and uh, to see where Carlson's at this year. And I, I would never wish for anything bad on Carlson. I, I love Eric Carlson, and uh, hopefully, he this is all one big joke, and he comes back next year, and he's like, "Ha jokes on you. We got players from." San Jose and I'll come back to Ottawa. But if not, I think I think we got a really good return in DeMello. Um even Bodker for Hoffman. Uh I, I think we, we won that that trade right now. hmm Even though Bodker over the last several games has been a guy who I really haven't noticed out there, but I guess because he's being put on the shutdown line of the Sens, maybe that's why I'm not noticing him out there. Yeah, I was just gonna say he's been playing a lot of shutdown minutes and he's been doing a pretty good job at it, but there's only so much he can do when your defense isn't, you know, really working for you. Um, he's been playing against a lot of the speedy guys, uh, and he's still putting up some points uh, in this specific game. If I'm not wrong, I think he had an assist in this game. Yeah, it's hard, man, to play shutdown minutes against a good team uh, when you really don't have anything to back you up. I'm, I've been impressed with him and his speed. Uh, he's another one of those guys that has a lot of speed on this team and. I'm excited to see him eventually, hopefully, play with better skilled people or, or players that develop better and, and have Bodker play with these kids. And just, it's going to be wild. Absolutely. Now, one thing I do have to mention before we go on to our next game, 
The Senators, they opened it up an old wound. It was Jason Pumbleville's 1,000th game, and they showed his series winner in 2006. <laughs> oh, man. I remember watching that game. We had uh, a projector outside with a surround sound system, and I remember cursing at Alfie, saying, how'd you not get him? Um, it was a nice goal. It, it's kind of the goal that gave Pominville his career, because if I'm not wrong, then they put him on waivers that year, and then they just brought him back up, and then he ended up scoring that goal. I'm not sure about that. I know a buddy of mine's a Sabres fan. I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went down. But uh, you, you got to admit, it was a nice goal. It's probably the biggest one of his career. Uh, he's had a really good career. Uh, I mean, kudos to the guy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, we might as well talk about this one. We've just been delaying the inevitable. Sens versus Sabres. This is a 9-2 Sabres victory. Sens goals were scored by Max McCormick and Cody Ceci. Sabres goals were scored by Jason Palmaville with two, Jeff Skinner with two, Kyle Ocoboso, Patrick Berglund, Zemkis Gurdjieffson, Casey Milson, and Connor Sheary. Shots were 41-29 Sabres. And you know what? We mentioned it. That was easy. Ugh. That had to have been the easiest win they've ever had. That was, oh my god. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this. It's that bad. I think Ceremony was really uh, for Pominville. Uh, now that's probably the most polite and happy thoughts I'm going to give about this game. Uh, that game is what was a shit show. That was probably the worst game I've seen Ottawa play in years and i'm surprised nobody tried to throw the white towel onto the ice uh, you know just call quits i know because you know by the time it got to six one seven one sabers all i was thinking was <laughs> he's already dead uh, although on, with the three goals on 10 shots none of them were bad goals for craig anderson that's the one comment i will make on that yeah, they they pulled them out of mercy. They're like, listen, this team is playing like they were out drinking all night last night. They, so they pulled Andy out. Like I said, it was a mercy pull. I mean, what else can you really do? Uh, nobody played good. Nobody. <laughs> no, and that's what I have in my comments. I says, where the fuck was everybody in this game? CC and McCormick were our best players. I was going to say, CC and McCormick scored the goals. What does that tell you about the fucking team that day? What does that tell you? I don't That's know. horrible. That's like that would be like losing a game back in the day and having Neil and McGratton be your goal scorers. Yeah, or Neil and Volchenkov. Oh, the A train man! I I would kill to have him right now. Oh, I know. <laughs> I actually miss Anton Volchenkov. Right, the guy. I remember Emery saying he had so many bruises on his body that it looked like a world map. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, trying not to not to talk too much about this game, let my anger come out. But yeah, it was just a shitty game, man. Uh, but I mean, on Buffalo side, uh, Eichel looked good. He got uh, three assists. Pominville, I mean, you, you couldn't have had a better game considering it was his one thousand, well, one thousand and first game. But two goals and an assist. Um, you know, Jeff Skinner, same thing, two goals and assists. Uh, on Buffalo's behalf, it was a really, really good game. Uh, on Ottawa's behalf, um, I- I'm just glad they put it behind them. They played a pretty decent game against Tampa the day after, which we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, this was 
this was an embarrassment. You know, I, I got to confess to you. I stopped watching that game about four minutes into the second uh, and went out for a walk with my dog just to calm myself down. What kind of dog? Uh, German Shepherd Husky. Name? <laughs> Bentley. Beautiful. I got a four dash ounce <laughs> here, man. It's funny when I listen back to the recordings of these episodes and all I hear them is barking in the background. Yeah, that's why I'm in the basement. So can't hear the dog and I'm not pissing off my fiance and... So I'm just sitting in the basement living room, and yeah, he's kind of the reason why I got to not go crazy that day. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, as you were saying, the Tampa Bay-Ottawa game, we will talk about that next week, and we'll get your thoughts on it when we when you come back for the interview. So given that we have done talking about the four games, is there anything you want to talk about before we head into the close? Yeah, so, I mean, let's be honest. We've had some some games we would like to really forget about. Uh, I think the Avalanche game was one uh, a couple weeks ago. Obviously, the Sabres game was another one. The fact that Ottawa can't hold the lead uh, in the third period, it's been bad. But let's be honest, we all knew that this was coming this year. Uh, we all thought Ottawa was going to be one of the bottom-feeding teams. Uh, personally, I think they're doing better than I thought they were going to be. And I think as the season goes on, they're going to get better and better. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to make the playoffs, but I think I think they're going to do pretty good. They're not going to be as bad as we thought. Uh, we'll see them probably just outside of the playoff race, in my opinion. They, they might compete for that last wild card spot, just miss it if we can you know, have Craig Anderson stay healthy and keep making 40, 50 saves a night. I like that you're being the optimist I'm here because my expectations on the Sens for coming into this year were not very high. I just said, just do good enough that dilutes that pick enough where I don't care. Right? That's all I want. Just dilute that pick. Nobody wants to see Colorado end up with Hughes. Nobody. No. I mean, Colorado wants to see it, but I definitely don't. That's one thing. Oh, man. Why'd you bring that up? Why'd you have to bring that up? Well, they're doing they're doing so good, and now they're going to go get Hughes. I mean, look, what do you want me to say? Like, we just talked about a 9-2 Sabres victory over the Sens. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. But, I mean, the fact that we could have had Hughes next year if we played that terrible. But you know what? Honestly, honestly, again, back to being the optimistic, they're going to be close to making the playoffs. Colorado's going to get... You know, a, a middle first round player, he's going to be okay, but he's not going to be Jack Hughes. So I'm good with that. <laughs> I like that. So I guess it's time to head into the close, eh, bud? Yeah, absolutely. All right. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because I would say Tim and I love doing it for you, but he's not here. So Joseph and I love doing it for you. You can find us on all right. Please listen, listen. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsunscast. And because our bot Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m91honeybadger, and I'm at greatwhitegipster, G-R-A-W-A-T-E, gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about this week's episode with Joseph St. Moore, shoot us an email, thirdlineplugsunscast at gmail.com. So... The four games that we got to, Tim and I are going to be talking about next week, we've got the game yesterday versus Tampa Bay, tomorrow's game versus New Jersey, Thursday versus the Vegas Golden Knights, and Saturday, once again, versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. So before we let you go, Joseph, where can the people find you on Twitter, and how can they get all, How can they see your posts through 4th Line Podcast and Nosebleed Sports? 
Uh, well, to get any of the uh, articles from Nosebleed Sports, you just go to nosebleedsports.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at SensFan in EDM44. Uh, for Fourth Line, you just Google Fourth Line Podcast. Our articles are up there. Uh, first link that pops up. Beautiful. Now, before we go, can we get a little hot sambacho from you? Hot sambacho! Beautiful. For Joseph St. Amour, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!